Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today, I'm going to actually be updating you all on my reverse and how that's going and the approach that I'm taking and why I'm taking the, the approach that I'm taking. So it's been interesting over the past five years for me to watch people's approaches change on reverses. Four or five years ago, well, and you still see this preached a lot, but four or five years ago, everybody was saying, you have to go really, really, really slow. I have had people tell me that they're like, well, I've just finished my, I, I kid you not, my 12 month reverse. What the heck were you doing for 12 months? What were you doing? Increasing your calories, like one calorie a day? Like that to me is insanity. But a lot of people were told your reverse should be twice as long as your cut. So people were doing six months cuts and then they're like, well, it has to be twice as long. So better do it for 12 freaking months and raise my calories like, I don't know, one calorie a day. It was the the different approaches are, well, they, yeah, they there are so many different approaches. And that person could have had quote unquote success doing that 12 months. I'm not going to say that they didn't. Now, am I going to say, is there a better way? Uh, yeah, most definitely am I going to say there's a better way, right? So uh, the, the point is not telling people what you did was wrong, but I love the question, is there a more optimal way? right? Well, then let's go with that one, right? That's the, that's what I want to do. So with that, I was in a, about a 30% calorie deficit. And as soon as I was done with my cut, I actually went on a four day vacation to this retreat and I had zero control over my foods. But I didn't go crazy. I was mindful. I realized that when you are in the bottom of a cut, what happens is your hormones adjust. And so your hormones that control feelings of being satisfied and full are dysregulated. And so that's possibly the worst place at the bottom of a cut that you could try to say, well, now I'm going to jump into mindful eating because it's like, well, (laughs) the markers in your body that tell you whether you're full, whether you're satisfied, they've now adjusted because of your calorie deficit that you are in. They have down-regulated. So you saying at the very bottom of a cut, well, the cut's over. I'm just going to mindfully eat and I'm going to just go back. Well, a lot of people just end up going back to what they were doing before. The same food culture and habits that got them to a point where they needed a calorie deficit, needed a cut, are the ones that they jump right back into. And so that's a, a lot of times where the trouble comes in. And what happens is since at the bottom of their cut, these hormones are dysregulated and they cannot be, they cannot be trusted 
now people go right back to the way they were eating and the foods they were eating and everything. But the problem is, is they're going to overshoot their maintenance by a lot of, which is why a lot of people put on weight post calorie deficit, post cut, because they try to jump right back into mindful eating or just, they don't even call it that. It's just, oh, now I'm back to my old ways, right? So the point of a reverse is two things. Um, yes, there have been some slight adjustments to your metabolism. Now that's for a few reasons. One, if you lost 10 pounds, then you're now 10 pounds lighter. So your body doesn't need as many calories to maintain now that you're 10 pounds lighter. Okay. So that's number one reason like why you do need to find your quote unquote new maintenance calories because of that. But then there's also, yes, there has been other very slight, um, people will make the comment, your metabolism slows down in a cut. And yes, there is some truth to that. It's usually not as drastic as the, as people think. It's not a cut. It goes down by 20%. Or, so they found that it actually depends on how long you've been in the cut. And it depends on how aggressive you were. And it also depends on the individual. So some people could see like very minimal amounts, maybe uh, a decrease of 5%. And so what they would do is they would jump their calories back up to just under what their new perceived maintenance would be. Well, how do you know what your new quote unquote perceived maintenance would be? So if you've ever used a TDEE calculator, so if that is a like your your total daily energy expenditure, that's pretty much telling you based on the information you told me about how much you move and your body about this many calories will be needed for you to maintain your current weight. That's what that TDEE calculator is. So if you use that calculator to get into your cut, then that's great because you can just go back to that that same calculator that you used and now put in your maybe 20 pounds lighter, here's your daily activity, put it in again, and it's going to give you once again your perceived maintenance. So remember, everything is just like a rough estimate. So when you get that number back, it's not going to be like, oh, it says my current calories for maintenance are 2,048. I can't eat anything more than that. If I eat 2,049, I'm going to put on weight. No, no, no. First off, it's its best guess. And then second, maintenance is a range. Let me repeat that. Maintenance is a range. And where you fall on that range will actually depend on your food choices and your activity levels. For example, 
maybe one girl's maintenance range could be anywhere from 1750 all the way up to 2150. Now that seems like a pretty big range, but if somebody's not eating very much protein, they're eating well below 0.8 grams per body weight, and then on top of it, they have a desk job, they're not moving very much, maybe they lift or do some running three times a week, but other than that, they're sitting at their desk most of the time then yes, they actually very well could be at that 1750 because they don't have very much activity. Their food choices are not high protein, whole food 80% of the time. It's more like processed food, low protein, and that's majority of their food. Once in a while, they have a salad when they feel a little too fluffy. They're like, oh, maybe if I mix this salad in here, it'll solve that fluffy feeling. <laughs> I see that. Oh my gosh. I laugh about that because I remember being that person. I do. Oh guys, I've been, I've been there. That's why I feel like I'm just making fun of myself like eight years ago. Okay. That was Lindsay eight years ago. If I just gagged out another one of those spinach protein shakes and run for five miles, then I'll have the body of my dreams. Maybe add in a few more salads. Like, man, guys, I just didn't, I didn't have a clue. Sadly, though, majority of individuals don't have a clue. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help people. But anyways, if they are living their life like that, then it will put them in, in a lower calorie range for maintenance. And then it is quite easy for them to overshoot and put on weight because, man, you go to an American restaurant and you get a burger and fries and it for one meal, one meal, you've pretty much hit 1900 calories. So no wonder why there's a problem here with us putting on, on average, Americans put on two to three pounds of body fat a year. So it can easily be done. But if you want to sit at that higher range of 2150, then you have got to make better food choices, have higher protein, have more whole foods that will help you feel fuller for more part of the day. And then, of course, you can fit in your treats throughout the day. I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 rule. I know I've talked about it a ton. 80% whole foods, 20% fun foods. And that 20% fun food really does keep me like mentally sane. It And it keeps me, I feel like personally, it keeps me balanced. And I do enjoy teaching my children that we do want to fuel our body right but I can sit down and watch a movie with you and we can also enjoy some fun foods. And I like teaching them that it doesn't have to be either or, all junk or all healthy. It's like, no, let's live a balanced lifestyle. Balanced lifestyles are hard though. I'm gonna be honest with you, extremes are easy. Balance is hard. That is where it gets more difficult. But if we put into place certain habits in our lives and food cultures within our home, it becomes a lot easier. And pretty soon it's just the way you live and it's just life. And it's not, 
you don't hit so many walls you have to push through, right? You do, but you do have to do this for a good amount of time where it starts becoming just your lifestyle and it is relatively easy. I think what people see when they look at me do a cut and they're like, how come it seemed easier for you? Well, in a lot of ways it is. One, I have a really good, healthy food culture established within my home. So I'm not trying to overhaul my entire kitchen. My kitchen, whether I'm at maintenance or in a build or in a cut, actually has all the same foods in there. So the only difference when I go into a calorie deficit is I just make slight adjustments to include more voluminous foods and I make slight adjustments in the portions. For example, I'm, I still wake up and I eat my oats that I love, my protein oatmeal that I absolutely love. I eat that at maintenance. I eat it in a cut. It's just the portion size may look different. So I'm not completely overhauling my lifestyle. So you're right. In that regard, it is easier for me. But do you know what's not? I still don't like not eating as much food. <laughs> okay. Diets suck. Okay. They're hard. They are hard. I still feel hungry just like anybody else. So the response of my body is still going to feel hunger. It's going to feel like this is hard. And I have some tools mentally. I really try not to fixate on the hard. I try to fixate on the daily grind and enjoying the process. And that's what I fix. I don't even fixate on what the end goal is going to be because I actually feel like in some ways that can take away from the process as well. And when we fixate too much on that, sometimes the day-to-day -day grind becomes even harder because we have in our mind this idea of, well, I should have already reached it and I should have lost all the weight that I wanted to yesterday when we fixate on that end result. So I even try not to fixate on that. And I really focus on doing the day-to-day -day tasks. And when I do feel hungry, because in a calorie deficit, you are going to, you will, you will feel some, what a little bit more elevation of hunger. And, and I try to stay busy doing something else. Take my mind off of it. If I focus on how hard the task is, it actually becomes harder. And so there's that mentally that I do. Another thing too is with my foods, I really do try to choose more voluminous foods most of the time. You know, I'll try to fit in some fun stuff. Keeps me sane, like I said, but for the most part, I, I'm eating more voluminous foods. I'm including more greens into my meals. I'm looking for ways to use bread, but maybe I'll do Sara Lee. That's a low carb bread. So I'll make these different alterations, but that has come through experience and time. And I most definitely, my first, second, third cut was nowhere as good as I am now of making these alterations. And so experience is, that's the greatest teacher. And if you give up because it's too hard, then you will never learn. So it is possible. 
But going back to the the reverse, sorry, got off on a little tangent there. But going back to the reverse, so if you want to if you want to end at that higher range of maintenance, that twenty one fifty, then you are going to be choosing more whole foods. You're going to keep that same eighty twenty lifestyle into maintenance. You're going to keep that same a higher protein. Now, I don't believe in excessively high protein. 0.8 grams per body weight seems to be like a good place to start. I personally do one gram per body weight. I enjoy that. Actually, that's not true. I am at 1.2 right now because I really love my, my protein. And so I do err on the side of more protein. And not because I feel like I'll get more results, but I just do enjoy it more. So really you can sit your protein anywhere from 0.8 grams up to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight. And a lot of that has to do with your goals. If you want a little bit more body recomp, then you probably do want to be at more of one gram per body weight. If you just don't enjoy protein as much, but you want to live a healthy lifestyle, then 0.8 is great. Okay. So you're going to be fine. And in a calorie deficit, in reversing, you're going to maintain. So I used to believe that everybody had to be at one gram, but I don't believe that anymore. Not after really diving into the literature on this, and it all, it really does come down to the individual and their goals. But if you do want to eat a little bit more and you enjoy protein, then what's kind of great about protein is the literature has shown that, that although there are mechanisms to shuttle protein into body fat, we very rarely ever see that done. So if you're going to exceed your calories or you want to sit on a far higher end of your maintenance range, you can increase your protein to one or like me, you know, 1.2 grams per body weight and you're going to be fine. I mean, right now I weigh about 123 pounds and there are times where I just really love my 150, 150 grams of protein. So I feel really full my recovery is really great. I just, I enjoy it. That's a huge part of this, right? So your food selection will allow you to sit a little bit higher on that, on the maintenance range. So when we are trying to, to do a reverse, we're trying to find where our current lifestyle as far as exercise and output is going to line up with the calories. So since calories are a range and not a set number, sometimes it will take a few weeks of a reverse to find that out. Let me explain that in another way, just to really make sure that you understand what I'm talking about. If you can imagine in your mind a scale, one of those scales where you put weights on both sides and you see if they're even or if one side is, is heavier than the other. If you imagine that in your mind, let's say one side, the right side is your energy out. So like I said, where you sit on your maintenance 
is going to depend a lot on the energy out, but also the energy in. So maintenance is one side of that scale, the energy out, is balanced with that other side, the left side, the energy in, that food. And when that scale is balanced, you're going to maintain. Now, if the scale, when we go into a calorie deficit, we tip that scale. We start eating less and we increase the amount of energy out. And so it actually tips the scale. And a reverse is merely us trying to maybe pull back on the energy out. For example, I was doing like eight hours of cardio a week. That's not sustainable for me. I chose to do that many, that period, like that many hours of cardio for my cut, but that's not sustainable for me in maintenance and lifestyle. And so now I kind of have to figure out, okay, if I pull back on this, on this energy out, if I lower that, if I take away from that right side of the scale and I add a little bit to that left side of the scale, cause now I'm adding in food, is it bringing it more to maintenance? And then I watch the scale for a week and I'm like, okay. And I see how I feel for a week. I'm not just looking at the scale. I'm also looking at how I feel, my energy levels, how I feel in the gym, etc. So I watch that. Now, if you overshoot and you take off all of that cardio and then you jump to a perceived maintenance, you could overshoot and tip the scale in the other way and then you're putting on body fat. And so the whole point of a reverse is that we are just merely trying to spend some time reevaluating if if I take away from this side and add a little to this side, now are we sitting at maintenance? Now is that scale balanced again? That is the entire point of a reverse, really. So we are trying to figure out, okay, well, I'm not going to be doing eight hours of cardio, but I do enjoy on average my 20 minutes first thing in the morning because I wake up at like 4.30 to 5 in the morning. And I like getting my blood flowing first thing because right after I do um, like my spiritual time with God, I do my learning to refine my craft so that I can stay up to date on research and try to be the best coach and trainer I can be. And then after that, I dive into my work. And so I really like that cardio first thing in the morning, just for 20 minutes to just kind of really wake me up. And I feel like it puts me in a really good place to dive into my work. So that happens first thing in the morning at 4.30 or at 5. And then I go to the gym. This just works best for my schedule. I go to the gym at 9.45. I'm usually there lifting by 10, 10, 15. So that just kind of gives you an idea. But now I do enjoy that cardio, so I'm going to keep that in there. So I'm not dropping all of my cardio. I'm keeping what I enjoy and what's a lifestyle and maintainable. I will keep lifting four times a week. And so I've now taken stuff off of that right side of the scale, that energy out. And now I'm putting in more food, that energy in, trying to get that balanced. And like I said, that could take a few weeks. I don't think it should be like double the amount of time. Like some people are saying like, 
oh, I should be, you know, if I if I cut for six w- months, then I have to double the time of a reverse. So it will take me 12 months to add in all of those calories and stuff like that. It's insane to me. I don't believe that. And there's not any science showing that that's beneficial. So there are a few, there are a few approaches to reversing. You can jump right back up to your perceived maintenance. I tell people jump up just a little bit lower just to make sure you're not overshooting right off the bat, especially because it doesn't matter how smart you do this. Usually when you increase your calories in, you are going to see an increase in the scale. And that kind of brings me to, let me explain that with my own personal reverse and what I saw within the past two weeks. So like I said, I've been reversing for two weeks now and I started the reverse by bumping up my calories about 17%. Just, it's like 17, 18, just bumped them right up. So technically you could say, well, Lindsay, you're still in a cut, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. This is just my personal approach. But anyways, with just bumping that up 17% and still, you know, technically being in this calorie deficit... I've seen the scale move up two and a half pounds, well, like 2.3 pounds. And so a lot of people could say, oh, if they saw that, they'd say, oh, I overshot. Oh, that was fat. But it's not. So then what could it be? Well, let me explain this. I've increased my carbs a lot. So that 17%, honestly, was a little bit of fat and a whole lot of carbs. So carbs are stored as glycogen in our muscles and liver. And one gram of glycogen stores roughly three to four grams of water. I saw somebody take a piece of bread and they're like, think of it this way. Here's your carb. And they like put it down in water and then picked it up. And it's like, look how much this soaked up. That's what it does in your body. And it was a little comical to me, but I'm like, okay, yeah, I like that. That's a good way of looking at it. Anyway, so a natural result of increasing carbs will result in water weight going up. Likewise, lowering your carbs, you'll see water weight decrease, right? So this influences the scale a lot. So seeing my weight increase by 2.3 pounds in two weeks, it's really not a big deal to me. I don't really care what the scale says. And what's really fascinating is within those two weeks, and I'll explain in a minute why I actually didn't increase it more than that. But seeing that the scale move up, it wasn't a big deal because I was going to the gym. I was feeling incredibly powerful in the gym. My strength is really, really coming back. So I'm feeling really good, just increasing it by 17%. But it actually probably was increased a lot more than that because, um, but anyways, I, I felt really good. And I actually could feel that my muscles were feeling fuller. So in my opinion, I looked better two weeks after the start of the reverse than at the bottom of the cut because my muscles had really filled out. I was feeling really, really good in the gym. I thought I even looked a little bit leaner and better. And it was interesting because the scale isn't all that accurate, but I did think it was interesting that over the past two weeks, the body fat percentage has continued to trend down, even though my body weight has, has gone up a little bit. I only bring that up because I thought that was interesting because it mirrored how I felt, that I did feel like 
I feel like I'm still in the cut, but I'm getting more calories. And so I'm seeing a little bit more body recomp as I begin this reverse, which was great. So now let me cover this because I think that this is really important. So if I believe in jumping closer up, back up to, to maintenance, then why didn't I jump up to like 25%? And I have in the past, I have in the past jumped up to 25 to 27% because remember my calorie deficit was a 30% deficit. So if I jumped back up like 25%, I probably would have landed closer to just under my maintenance because remember how much you lose, the body fat you lose, adjusts your maintenance and it does lower your maintenance a little bit because you don't weigh as much. So the body doesn't need as many calories to sustain things. Anyways, but why just 17%? Why not 20 or, you know, 25% where I might have landed around that? Well, because um, I don't like tracking all the time. <laughs> That's really why. <laughs> so when I do a reverse, I really like to, one, start including a untracked meal with my husband once a week. And we don't go out and choose like, hmm, what is the healthiest possible restaurant where I can eat like a rabbit there? That's not the way we, we roll. We usually are like, we have a whole lifestyle of health at home. When we go out, we're going to choose a place that's fun because we don't eat out at all. Well, that's not true. Once a week, we try, sometimes it's every other week, we try to go eat out and have a date night together. But other than that, like our family, we don't as a family go out and eat. It, we just always eat at home. And so anyways, so I bumped it up only 17, 18-ish percent because I knew that we would be including these untracked meals for our date nights and I wanted to truly enjoy them. So I know that I am overshooting on the calories that day. I eat what I normally would because I thrive off of routine. So I eat my normal portion-sized meals for breakfast, lunch, and post-workout. And then for my untracked meal, I literally just enjoy it. We went out to eat at an Italian place and... I do still try to respect my body and eat mindfully. I don't try to stuff myself till I'm sick. So I got fettuccine Alfredo. I love fettuccine Alfredo. I got it, ate probably half of it because I also wanted to have a dessert and share a dessert with my husband. We always share a dessert. And I didn't want to feel so stuffed that I couldn't enjoy the dessert. And I truly believe in respecting my body. And so I don't believe in eating till I'm just feeling, oh, I feel so sick. I, I don't believe in doing that. I believe my body is a gift from God. I really want to take care of it and be mindful. I can say this from my heart. It has nothing to do with, oh, I'll only eat half so that I can stay as thin as I want to. No, it truly is out of respect for my body and my gut and the Lindsay oven three hours that might be hurting. <laughs> so it, it truly is a decision that I try to make out of respect for myself and this gift that I've been given. But man, I enjoyed that meal. I got exactly what I wanted and I enjoyed it. 
And so I do realize that because I do that once a week, I realize that I'm probably sitting a lot higher. And that's okay. Because the whole point of a reverse is figuring out calories in and calories out in your lifestyle and where it lands you as far as maintenance. So on Thursday, I increased my calories 100 a day. So I did increase that again. And once again, mostly in carbs because I really enjoy that. And then I'm also including this week an untracked day of foods. So if you followed me for a while on Instagram, you know I've preached this a lot, that I love using macros as a tool. It is not a lifestyle for me. And so a lifestyle for me is my healthy foods and my healthy food culture. And once in a while, if I want to lean down a little bit, then I go into a calorie deficit. And I will track my calories. I'll track my uh, macros at that point to help me with that goal. Now, I will say this much. When I am coaching somebody and they are not as advanced with nutrition and foods and feeling things out, then we teach mindful eating at maintenance. We don't teach it during the reverse, but this is actually something that I'm able to do very well. And so I am including in this week as part of my reverse an untracked day. And that doesn't mean like, oh, awesome. I don't have to track. I'm going to binge on all of these foods that I feel like I can't successfully fit into my macros. No, I'm actually just going to keep eating once again, my normal foods, my 80% whole foods, my 20% fun foods, and I'm going to feel out the day in my body. And so more than likely, I'll eat a little bit more on those days. So I probably will land a little bit higher. And you don't have to do that approach. I'm not saying that that's the right approach for everybody. In fact, a lot of my clients, we don't start practicing mindful eating until they're sitting at maintenance. So it's been four to six weeks of a reverse. They're sitting at maintenance. They're feeling confident and comfortable. And then we start including those, which actually leads me to another topic on reverses. Are slow reverses always bad? Once again, I don't think they're quote unquote bad. I just feel like, is there a more optimal way? And I do believe in jumping back up closer to maintenance faster But if somebody wants to take, you know, six, 12 weeks to get up there, is that something that I do with my clients? Once in a great while, yes. It actually usually has to do with the psychology of the individual though. So everything should come down to the person. And sometimes there's so much fear in bringing in more foods that women are so scared that they don't even want to reverse because the thought of it's so scary. And so with them, I try to work one-on-one as best as I can. And with them, I'll say, okay, I realize I need to gain your trust with this. So we will take a little bit slower approach, not like a six-month approach. That's We're not going to do that. But sometimes it takes them like eight weeks because they've never done a reverse before. 
they're nervous, they're scared. So I take into consideration the person's mind. I think that that's really important to do. And I think when a coach is like, no, I'm going to ignore your mind and I'm just going to do what I think is right. It's like, well, do you know what? What you think is right may be right. It, it, it probably is. But I, I still think coaching is proving to somebody else that they can also trust themselves, proving to somebody else that, yes, this does work. And so I've had times where the first reverse with a client is slower. And then the second one, I'm like, okay, do you trust me? Can we do this? Can we do it faster? And we do it faster. And then depending on how the person is with food, we will include untracked days during the reverse, like I do for myself. But with some people, that's not always wise because some people, food is not just food and it is a coping mechanism for them. And so you give somebody a day or two or three where their body's dysregulated, their hormones are a little bit dysregulated, and then on top of it, they have a tendency to cope with food. It might be a bad mix. And for those individuals, we still have to learn how to appropriately use food and not to cope with it. We do 100%. That shouldn't just be ignored. But we have to do that in a safer environment for them, which is going to be at maintenance. So it's so important to really sit down and think about all of these things. So this week, I'll continue. I've added 100 calories in. I'm also doing the untracked enjoyable meal with my husband. And I am doing the one, maybe even two days of untracked where I continue eating my usual foods, just a little bit higher portions. And I see how things feel. And what I really like about this approach for me is I've used tracking in a way that helps me out a little bit, but I've also started leaning towards my own intuition. And that's something I've refined over the years with food. So I'm I'm using them both to as I go up to maintenance over the next few weeks, because at max, this is going to be like a four week thing for me. And by, you know, the end of the four weeks, I'm actually sitting at maintenance and I can take a break from tracking entirely, or maybe just for a few weeks, I'm just kind of loosely tracking protein. And then I move back into my lifestyle of not tracking at maintenance. And so that really works for me. But like I said, with a lot of my clients, that's something that I do for them at maintenance. And how that looks for my clients is we get them up at maintenance and then we start saying, okay, we're going to pull one day of tracking. So you're not going to, but you're going to use all of the tools that you learn during tracking, portion sizes, how you feel at the end of the meal, use your usual foods that you enjoy, the 80-20 rule, and just trust yourself and enjoy things. And I love that it's not a 
I'm not tracking, so I get to just binge all day long. It is not that. It is now I get to practice, put all of these pieces together for maintenance, and then I'll add in in a few weeks, I'll I'll take two more days away and pretty soon they're like doing half and half or they're tracking half the time or maybe they're just tracking a little bit of protein to make sure that their protein needs are being met for their training and then pretty soon we pull tracking and they are just learning to trust themselves with their food and staying mindful, staying present, enjoying their food, really putting into practice all of these tools so that they're not living in a state of, I have to track all the time. And so it's just such a beautiful thing. I really do believe that people should be eating mindfully a majority of the time. And then we use the tools of macros once in a while to hit new goals. That's what it should really be used for. So hopefully all of this information has helped and give you some good tools and ideas to use in your own reverse, maybe opened your mind to possibilities of, I don't have to do reverses like I've been taught or thought previously. I can be more flexible with them than I thought. Maybe I can start practicing mindful eating a little bit in the reverse or at maintenance. And my hope is just really that you've listened and your mind has been open to there's not one right way to do all this. People are always frantic. Well, should I raise my carbs first and and then raise my fats or should I? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Protein and calories are king. So look at those and apply the principles that, that we talked about as far as activity levels and whole foods and protein ranges. These things that people worry about It matters more in their mind than it actually does their body. And a lot of times the anxiety that they create in their mind about certain subjects can actually be the thing that leads them to failure versus just taking deep breath, trusting the process, sticking to the basics, nailing the basics, and then hitting their goals. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you so much for joining me on the Lifting Lindsay podcast today. I really hope that what I provided today offered value to you within your health and fitness goals. If you have any questions, send me a message on Instagram at Lifting Lindsay. You can also go to liftinglindsay.com to check out my coaching as well as my training app options. Have a wonderful week.